This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Svenja on from Indeed, and we'll be talking about inside the Indeed Hiring Lab. Can't wait to learn about uh, the Hiring Lab and what the, the work that she and her coworkers are doing there. So without any further ado, uh, Svenja, would you... Uh, a, make sure I pronounce your name correctly. B, uh, most people know Indeed, but they might not know the Indeed Hiring Lab. So why don't we just, why don't we talk to, uh, talk to the audience a little bit about what you're doing at the Hiring Lab. Sure. And William, thank you so much for having me. It's Senya. Um, it's, a, it's a tricky one. Um, uh, and the, the J I, is a Y. That's, that's, that's right. the key. Got it. That is the key. And, you know, it's uh, it's a great conversation starter, as I've, I've learned over the years. So <laughs> it's, a, it's all good. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm delighted to be here. Uh, and you know, from a from a personal perspective, uh, I uh, I love telling uh, interesting data driven stories that give people insights and help them make better decisions. And that is exactly what we do uh, at Indeed's Hiring Lab. We are uh, Indeed's economic research team uh, and uh, a team of really international economists uh, scattered throughout uh, the the world. Uh, and analysts, and data scientists, and uh, we provide insights that help drive the global market conversation. Uh, and and how do we actually do that? Well, we produce research on uh, on on uh, you know labor market topics uh, that are that are relevant in in different countries um, using either indeed proprietary data or or publicly available data sources. Um, and we try to stitch together uh, interesting insights and stories that that really give. Uh, give people some some uh, relevant information so they can make better decisions. Uh, and you know, this is in, uh, obviously interesting for job seekers, employers, policymakers. Uh, we talk to reporters in the media a whole bunch, uh, and and really lets everyone navigate uh, the the world of work in, in a better way. I love that. I remember years ago when uh, ADP uh, started hiring uh, economists. To to look at look at jobs, you know they were looking yeah. at payroll because they were sitting on top of all of this payroll data, and it was just wonderful because the, the you know the, obviously the government comes out with the jobs report, and ADP comes out with the jobs report, and sometimes it jives, and sometimes it doesn't, and it's you know it could be just two different perspectives and, and two different data sources and things like that, but it's all just right. really interesting the way the market responds to both of those and y'all sitting on so much jobs data you know open open uh, open jobs and things like that y'all are sitting on so much massive worldwide data of what's available i can see people caring uh, a great deal you know not 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 just economists but just uh, outside of that just caring about like what are y'all seeing trends you're seeing things like that yeah, and, and the team really, you know, long before I even arrived here, has been has been doing this for for years, and uh, and 
it's really during the pandemic, it became even more important, right? Because the pandemic uh, hits and, and made everything move so rapidly. And so everyone was used to, you know, a monthly cadence of data and, and seeing what would happen. But the pandemic made us move so much faster. And all of a sudden, a monthly cadence wasn't good enough anymore. So then the it was extremely powerful and insightful to have data sources that could meet, like, move at a daily or even weekly pace to be able to give you uh, better, better information about what direction are we heading in, what changes are we seeing. And we felt that at the hiring lab as well, uh, where we had to, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, drop some of our longer term research projects and say, like, we really need a data stat that gives us an insight of what's uh, into what's happening right now. And we need it at a weekly frequency. So we started developing a lot of tracker data uh, to look at, um, you know, remote work, uh, to look at uh, how many uh, postings for uh, different types of jobs are you seeing across different sectors and, uh, and all these things and, and tracking wages in the UK, whatever, whatever was, you know, top of mind, we tried to really dig in and get a fairly fast pulse on what we could, what we could get at. So, you know, the audience is going to be hearing this and they're going to go, well, she and her team sees all kinds of crazy uh, things and trends way, way before everyone else sees them. Uh, I remember when, when, and talking to uh, some Indeed folks, uh, this is probably early in the pandemic. And I'm like, what are you seeing in search? And they're like remote and comma, remote work. Like, mm -hmm. like, the, like, it's just crazy the number of positions that now include that straight up in the in the position descriptions and even kind of philosophy around remote uh, and things like that. So, so that and that was that was two years ago. That was that's that data is way out of, out of date. What kind of what kind of things are you seeing right now? Like, what's what's some of the inter more interesting things uh, trends wise that you're seeing? Yeah, it, you know, what's really interesting is what what we're seeing in the data is that. Even though we talk a whole lot about remote work and and going, you know, everyone's going to start working from home. Uh, in terms of what the data is showing us across our entire universe of, of postings, is that uh, only you know slightly below ten percent of postings actually um, are are classified as remote or hybrid jobs uh, that that offer that flexibility. The rest are still uh, more traditional looking. And that's, of course, due to the fact that uh, not every job can actually go remote or be hybrid. And uh, even though it's uh, it's a fascinating conversation topic and there's a lot of movement uh, there in, in trying to figure out, you know, what flexibility can you give certain employees in certain in certain occupations? It's not as widespread as you might uh, you might expect. And we're seeing, like I said, uh, roughly not. I forget the exact number. It's like nine points something percent of our of our uh, post job postings data uh, includes remote terms and on the search side we see you know somewhere around six to seven percent of the searches that go specifically searching for remote enabled uh, positions so uh, it, you know there's still uh, the, that acknowledgement that if you're a teacher if you're um, you know healthcare provider uh, and, and a lot of the, the jobs that have to be done in person uh, and are oftentimes frontline workers, they still, you know, they don't have that flexibility. Whereas if you're in tech uh, or, uh, you know, one of the one of the industries that lends itself to more working from home, then you can um, you're more, more likely to demand it or ask for that flexibility. I love that. So what are we learning about the, the folks that aren't? So the opposite side of that, right? So the folks that are knowledge workers, uh, there is a freedom that, that that's 
that's actually come with being a knowledge worker, right? So remote isn't as traumatic uh, for those folks, but like bank tellers and folks that work in hospitality or retail or, or uh, you know, hourly nursing, et cetera. What are we learning about, you know, we, we if I say great, great resignation, it's like a drinking game at this point. <laughs> but what are, we, what are we learning about the hourly market or high volume market? Yeah, and I think, uh, there's some there's some interesting trends there because uh, you we run a, we run a regular survey to kind of get a pulse on um, you know job seekers um, what is keeping job seekers out of the market right now because of course we're dealing still with a situation where uh, labor force participation so how many people are actually active uh, actively employed or actively looking for employment is still uh, depressed from from pre-pandemic levels and uh, when you take a when you take a look at the reasons why that is you do encounter fear of um, fear of covid um, and not not wanting to go back quite yet having responsibilities as uh, as a child pro- provider or a, a caretaker of children um, or having enough of a financial cushion that you don't have to actually urgency uh, urgently look for new work quite yet. So we're at that cusp in the pandemic where you still have uh, some people waiting on the sidelines. And we do expect um, uh, those uh, those uh, job seekers to come back into the market uh, probably in 2022 and start to, to look for a job. They certainly have that intention to start looking for a, a job more, more actively over the next year. Uh, and what has been helping and one of the biggest trends we've been observing on that front is that wages, particularly at the, the lower end of the income distribution, have climbed rapidly, uh, you know, partly because uh, there's such a mismatch between supply and demand of labor. You know, we, we, we have a lot of need for labor, uh, yet the, the available folks out there to work is still, is still limited. So it's driving up wages quite a bit. Uh, and uh, that's starting to just kind of spill over into other buckets of the wage distribution. So even like middle or higher income folks are trying to see wage pressures, but it's extremely acute at the bottom end of the, the income distribution. And uh, that is driven by the fact that we just have fewer people working right now. So you mentioned something at the very beginning about telling stories about data, which I think folks are going to find fascinating. And also for a lot of practitioners that are listening, this is probably a blind spot for us. So, uh, and you're skilled at it. So uh, while we have you, we might as well ask you, how do you, how do you do that? Like break the, break that down and to tell us kind of, okay, like, all right, here's a, here's a piece of data. That yep. I just that I just saw. Now let me tell you a story about it. Yeah, to me, I mean, um, it, it's it's a process, right? You think about um, uh, looking uh, looking at interesting data, um, and uh, that there's a lot to to unpack in, in in that, right? You have to kind of figure out what data am I looking at? Is it representative? Does it uh, does it does it make sense in the context? I have to clean it up, uh, particularly with with administrative or like business generated data. Um, you know, you have to be mindful of you know what am I actually looking at here? What am I measuring? And uh, once you figured all that out and you kind of cleaned up your data and you have it in a good spot and you're like, hmm, there's some interesting trends in here, then you can start asking questions and coming up with a hypothesis to say, you know, I, I think. Um, you know, do I, uh, I, I believe X, Y, and Z is happening. And then I look to the data to see if I can actually verify that. And then um, I always think of 
an interesting, uh, uh, an interesting story to me is kind of like building a, a Lego set. And I'm perhaps influenced by the fact that we've been doing a whole lot more Legos during the pandemic. But, um, you know, when you're, when you're thinking of d- building a cool, a cool scene with Legos, you want to have a lot of different bricks and colors and shapes and uh, kind of put that all together into something that looks really cool afterwards. Uh, and, you know, if it's a castle you're building or a beach scene or whatever it may be, you kind of have to find just the right parts to kind of uh, form that scene. Uh, to me, that's very similar to what we do when we tell a story. We use uh, existing data nuggets that we already have. We try to find new data nuggets that we uh, have to unearth and and research in the data. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes you don't find what you expect to find in the data. And then that's interesting as well. And other times you find unearth really different trends that you weren't even going for. But whatever it is, um, if at the end of the day, you can kind of form that interesting story, that's, that's where it's all at. I love that. You know, it's normally a question I ask people when they when they talk to me about a study that they've recently done, and uh, usually these are these are vendors and they've done kind of a small study, you know, a hundred, two hundred uh, 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 person type study, and I always ask them how to the the question of okay, what was something when you started with this thesis or when you started with this that you kind of knew. Eh that the data would kind of come back, kind of validate, you know, okay, yeah, it's just going to come back this way. And on the other side of that, what shocked you? Yeah. So like what, what came out of left field? You're like, huh, let's go back and look at the data. That, that, can't, that, can't, that just can't be right. I mean, there's just no way that can be right. And then it turns out it was right. So yeah. for you, like some of, some of your research, like this has happened to you, of course, because uh, it just happens in research. Um, take yeah. us through like your most recent, some of your most recent research and uh, or your, maybe, maybe your most recent research and where something was validated that you're like, yeah, we can do that. We can do we can't that. Yeah, yeah that, that made sense. That's fair. We needed that to be validated anyhow. And then something that shocked you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think the, um, uh, you know, perhaps not the most recent piece, but one of the ones where you, it's, it's still a bit, a bit of a head scratcher for me. And I think for, for, for others as well, when you, when you look at the data and you're right, you kind of get, go in with, with a certain gut feeling. Um, but looking at, um, why, where have all the workers gone? (laughs) When you look at, when you look at, how much demand we have had. And, and there are a lot of, I mean, this pandemic has kind of brought a whole host of surprises along the way, right? Because we were only in a very short recession. And I think it was surprising that we bounced back incredibly fast. Uh, and then what you really started to see in the data is how how strong, like, uh, you know, goods consumption and service consumption was for a lot of categories. Because, you know, we all had to go and buy, you know, desks of standing desks for home or for working from home or everyone started making bread. So bread, bread makers and flour were in high demand. So, you know, some, some, some of those trends happen, uh, actually happened. And then that, that caused a whole lot of demand for, for labor. And, um, you know, someone actually had to produce all those goods and, um, that the, the, how fast that bounce back was, was, was surprising. And then also seeing how, uh, 
dis despite um, wages increasing quite quickly, we haven't yet seen, or until most recently, hadn't seen the bounce back in, in, in employers, uh, employees quite yet, right? So you, the, the labor supply uh, just was still lagging and we really had to dig in to be, to be able to figure out like, why is that? Like, why, why aren't more people coming back to the table? And, you know, there's, uh, we found that uh, there's a whole bunch of early retirement that happened. And, you know, we were talking about make telling an interesting story and trying to figure out the pieces and understanding what's happening on the ground. Um, very, you know, uh, the 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 pieces that fit together there is that yeah people retired early oftentimes because their home values shot up so so crazy high right because in in my former life um, I was the chief economist at Zillow and I covered housing prices and uh, we've seen some really rapidly increasing housing prices and that helped people increase their wealth quite a bit in terms of how much their assets are worth and um, the stock market had been doing quite well and bounced back uh, relatively quickly after the the COVID initial COVID with shock and uh, that also build wealth. So more people retired uh, and said, hey, we're just going to exit the workforce now. And then we had um, uh, then we had an uh, unemployment payments that went out. Uh, we had consolidation of, of households. So uh, a lot of a lot of those trends kind of fed into people sitting on the sidelines. Um, and I think it was surprising to me that it has taken longer than expected to kind of unravel those effects, that we didn't see a stronger bounce back in, in, in labor supply. And only more recently, so some of the data we just got in in the beginning of the year, did we actually start to see uh, some, some stronger bounce back in, in uh, labor force participation. We're now starting to see uh, more women come back, even slightly um, older age groups are now re-entering the workforce and are, are coming out of early retirement to join back in. And, you know, a lot of that, of course, has to do with uh, uh, for a lot of women having to still take care of kids, even though they're back in school. I mean, sometimes they're really not back in school because then the school has to shut down or daycare shuts down because of that uh, temporary outbreak. And so, yeah, there's still a lot of friction in the system and that kind of shows up in the data. And um, that's been really interesting to kind of go through and analyze and, and was, uh, was really fascinating to take a closer look at, like who's, who's still on the sidelines and when do we think they're going to come back? It's a little early to tell, but with the, the stuff that's going on in the Ukraine and with Russia, there's a, there's a lot of, obviously, there's a lot of things of worldwide implications and, and things that, that might impact us. One of the things I, I saw last night is the, uh, the impact on probably the stock market and, and some of the volatility that might happen there and people's portfolios shrinking, which might prolong some of that retire retirement that we, that we probably expected. Um, right. And again, it's early, so who knows, right? But what do you, what do you, what do you, what are you and your team already kind of looking at as it relates to some of the things that are going on on the other side of the planet that that will obviously impact us? Of course, yeah, and we're of course, you know, carefully, carefully uh, watching, and uh, our hearts go out to oh, yeah. uh, everyone impacted, um, and you know, it will be. Uh, some, some of, you're absolutely right. Some of that will will show up in the the data, right? We're seeing oil prices spike, mm -hmm. uh, and that's going to feed through to to the stock market. Uh, eventually, we'll start to see um, uh, labor impacts as well, and, and and labor movements and everything. So, I think it's still too soon to tell. Um, you know, some of this this takes a while to kind of show up uh, in in the data, but it's right. certainly something we're we're monitoring and and looking at. Um, what does the the um, uh, 
uh, and you know some of the things that we carefully look for is um, our, our preferences for where to work, um, where are we seeing more demand for labor, um, and are there inflows and outflows? So that's something we we look at quite quite regularly and carefully. So that's going to start showing up in the data soon. That's interesting. That's interesting. So take us into like your uh, you know obviously twenty twenty two. What are y'all looking to uh, to study next? Like, what is uh, like the next, you know, around the corner? What are, what is the lab looking at? Uh, yeah. Looking at, uh, you know, I guess you have a research schedule or a research calendar. Maybe that's flex- it's flexible. But what you can tell us, what are you? What's on the what's on the table? Yeah, it's uh, we we never have a shortage of interesting ideas to get down. <laughs> that's always great. Fair um, enough. And it's it's fun, you know. I I consider myself to be lucky because we we really have such a talented team of researchers that it's really cool to be able to uh, you know brainstorm and and, and uh, partner on on work with with this super talented team. And we do have some great ideas uh, on on the docket, uh, particularly as we hopefully now exit the pandemic, you know, knock on wood, that's the 800 pound gorilla still in the room. Uh, will there be another variant that we have to kind of deal with? And that's going to impact what we, what we are able to kind of follow a look at, but, uh, in, you know, assuming, uh, that we we get a little bit of a reprieve here and uh, things continue to return to to normal um, and we exit the the pandemic uh, life you know it's going to be interesting to see um, who was left behind and who isn't mm. recovering quite as as quickly because you know uh, when you the the danger is looking uh, looking at the data is it's easiest to look at averages. And averages can hide a whole lot in the in the whole data distribution, right? So we want to be mindful of the tails and see um, who's still who's still um, dealing with issues and what we can do um, uh, to kind of shed light on that. Uh, so that's one of our what's one of our topics that we wanted to dig in a little bit further. Uh, some some groups have been set back uh, right. in, in terms of wealth creation, in terms of access to jobs and uh, and wages, and and so looking at that more carefully will be really important. Um, and then we're also looking at um, you know. I think now and going forward, and you know these trends have existed even pre-pandemic. We're gonna have to get used to a pretty tight labor force, and we have you know demographic trend uh, trends uh, that are, are tailwinds here that uh, you know mean that workers will kind of be in the driver's seats uh, for for quite some time uh, with an aging population and a still quite quite strong demand for labor and what that means for companies what are they gonna are we gonna see more people um, uh, or more employers offering perks uh, better benefits um, more flexibility what is this you know for the, for the jobs that do enable remote or hybrid work what is that system or what is that setup going to look like uh, and uh, you know what is the transition from uh, pandemic life to post pandemic life going to look like and what will s- stay with us and what's going to change so we're digging into a lot of those themes and I think it's going to be really interesting so last question before we roll out, and it's it's uh, because Indeed has customers all over the world. You know, obviously have customers all over the spectrum uh, in terms of industry and size of company, et cetera. How does the the lab, if you can if you can talk about it, how does the lab interact with some of your larger customers? Like I, I, I totally understand kind of how you interact with the press and yep. and how you interact with like the external. 
uh, folks, but internal and customers, especially, is there a relationship between the lab and, and your, and especially your key customers, your, you know, your most valued customers, yeah, et certainly. cetera? You know, there is. And I think, you know, it all falls under the umbrella of like, we, we, um, we strongly believe in transparency and data and being able to tell um, unbiased, uh, insightful research. And that applies to the media as it does to our clients as well. So we try to uh, offer really interesting uh, research um, um, that we talk about publicly to our clients as well. We provide labor market overviews, um, you know, try to keep it, uh, certain trends top of mind for our clients that will help them make better decisions in their you know, day-to-day actions as they kind of navigate this, uh, this labor market. So um, a lot of our research will show up in, in different locations uh, and we, you know, give, give overview presentations or, you know, give, uh, give clients the chance to ask very specific questions uh, of the team to be able to kind of get insights into where uh, the macroeconomic uh, labor trends are, are kind of heading. I love it. I love it. I'll tell you what, uh, Svenja, thank you so much for being on the podcast and uh, thank you for the work that you're doing. It's, it's absolutely fascinating and uh, I'm just glad that you're doing it. I really, really appreciate that. Um, thank you so much for having me today. It was, it was a, a true pleasure. I really uh, enjoyed talking to you. So thank you. All right. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.